0: If you have your Bibles, you and find a place in Isaiah 40th chapter and the 31st verse, Isaiah 40 and 31. If you would, I'd ask you to stand as we read God's word tonight. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. And as we come to you right now, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint these lips of clay once again. And, Father, that I would speak your word. I pray, Heavenly Father, that your Holy Spirit would sweep through this place tonight in a great and mighty way. Lord, I pray that you would hide me in the shadow of the cross of Calvary, that I wouldn't be seen but only you and that you would receive all the glory, the honor, and praise. Father, for everyone that has come out tonight, I pray that you would move on their behalf in a very special way. And God, more importantly, I pray that your full will be accomplished here tonight in everything that's said and done. And Lord, I'll be careful to praise you for all these things, and we ask it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. You know, his brother, uh, as Dr. K was reading the scripture and stuff, and he was talking about the eagle a little bit, and I thought, you know, all these people in here that preach and teach and all this here—it's hard when you get up and it's your time for them not to get all over what you've been studying on. And I asked uh, J.T. this morning if he wanted my scripture or my text, and he said, "No, you better wait till this evening. The Lord might change it." I said, "You're right." But he hasn't, and uh, it's good, and I'm glad that, uh, to be in God's house. And there's so much that's going on. And I, you know, as the pastor preached his heart out this morning and all, and it's uh, times that he has to preach that message that's not all running and jumping the pews and shouting down the aisles and things. And he sets the stage a lot of times to where... Others can follow behind, and we have it not quite as tough. Um, It's okay for him to skin his sheep, but not anyone else. Um, But anyway, as I was reading the scripture, and this came to me, and all you know, I just kept expounding, and the part about it was telling us to mount up with wings as eagles and, you know, and not be weary. And the pastor touched on this last week, you know, about not being dreary and weary about things, but just do what God's called you to do and he puts on your heart. Throughout the Bible, there's a lot of parables that are used so that God's word that we can understand, especially that I can understand. You know, a lot of times I say, I don't have the intellect and I don't have all these high big dollar words that I can use and... I knew a man one time that was a preacher and he said, every day I get up and look in the dictionary and I learn a new word. I thought, well, if I had to do that, uh, there's plenty of words in God's word there that I could learn and look into them. And I saw, you know, I I think about the youth a lot and we, we try to direct things to the young people because when the young people are alive and on fire, the church is alive and on fire. Whenever they're built up and whenever it gets big and it swells up within them and they're about to explode, you can stand back because something's fixing to happen. And I believe that we need to keep them before God high and lifted up. And, you know, again, this morning when uh, the pastor was preaching, he was talking about "We we say a lot of things, but we don't go through with it. We just say a lot. We say a lot of times, lift up the young people, hold them up. You know, and we don't realize what they're going through, and a lot of times we don't. And I'm here to tell you that Sister Ronin was down here just a week ago talking about how the enemy is fighting the families, how he's driving them apart, and how he's breaking down the homes. And and if it happens in the home, in your home, You can get on your knees and you can begin to reach God. I pray that it doesn't take a catastrophe for God to get our attention. I pray that it doesn't take God to bring us down to where God has to say, I've been after you and I've been after you and now you won't listen. So I've got to really get to hold. And, you know, a, a lot of people, young people are asking about Hannah and, um, I'm telling you that you're, as Brother Jerry said this morning, a lot of people are watching your lives that you're not aware of. Not just parents, but the youth. When you're out and about, people are watching you. They say, oh, they go to evangel. Let's see how they are, how they're acting. But I'm telling you, the short time that we've been here, you have blessed our home more than I can tell you. The strength and the seed that you've planted, it's bars it's second to none. And as we were sharing with Hannah today, you know, the first thing she asked a day or two ago, she asked if she could have her Bible. I mean, she knew that she needed, she felt that word. She showed a picture that she drew of a cross and she had Joshua 1, 9 on there. She said, I remembered that. I remember Jonathan preaching on it, and see a lot of times I see her and and Mackenzie with a book, and I'm th- I thought a lot of times, you know, that they were just writing notes and different things, but they're taking notes, they're doing things, they're writing down things that they hear and what's being said, they're remembering things, and I'm telling you is. She was sharing with us today. She talked about how the chaplain come through, and she said that it wasn't evangel. <laughs> she said she wasn't at her church, but the word. She got some of the word that was there. And I think a lot of times, you know, she's talked to me about so many times we take for granted about coming to church. And that she looked and she said, and her eyes are really open that she can go to church and get everything that she needs from God. And whenever she looks around and sees the empty pews, like Brother Jerry was talking about, it grieves her because we take for granted. We think that it's, you know, we've got another day, we've got tomorrow, we've got more things. But just pray for Hannah she looks better. She speaks better. She's um, a lot of, there's been a lot of warfare there for her. And um, it's something that's been ongoing. We've been praying with her for a while about it. And I, I thank God for breakthrough. I thank God for the victory. I thank God that her feet's on the solid rock tonight. And I thank God that she's going all the way through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God. You know, um. James Garfield, before he became president, he was a principal of a college in Ohio. And uh, there was a student's father that came to him, and he asked him one time, he said, uh, is, there any, is there any way you can shorten the courses or the studies? And he said, uh, so that my son can complete them in less time. And he said, sure, that's not a problem. He said, but it all depends on what you want your son to be. He said, it takes God a hundred years to make an oak tree, and it takes two months to make a squash. So I mean, we talk about being strong as oaks and wanting to be oaks. It's not something that we're given tonight, and tomorrow we're gonna to be that oak tree. But throughout God's word, he uses a lot of parables. We talk about he talks about the sheep in John 10, one through five. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. He's telling us there's only one way of coming to the Lord, and that's by the door. We can't go around any other way. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. He calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Sheep's always been, you know, they're like, you can, they don't lead. You have, you have to lead them. You can't drive them. You have to lead them. Goats, you can drive. But I'm thankful tonight that we've got the good shepherd and the shepherd that will lead us straight through. Talks about salt in Matthew 5 and 13. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast down and to be trodden under the foot of men. Food's not the same without salt. I know that uh, the girls used to watch me a lot and say, you're a saltaholic. You salt everything, even before you taste it. Well, I knew it needed salt. But I've cut back. They, they're good. They're they, From the mouth of babes, you know, we learn. Um, I heard my grandfather say one time about a man, he said, oh, so and so over there, they're not worth the salt that goes in their bread. I didn't realize what he was saying. I was thankful, though, that he wasn't talking about me, that I was his namesake. So I knew that you know, he was talking about the man down the road there. But we need to be worth something. Talks about light. In Matthew five you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill, it cannot be hid. Another thing that, that the girls talked about, you know, when Jonathan was in here and cut all the lights out. A lot of times it doesn't take something theatric or whatever, something simple but it's something that sets there and is planted and it grows from that branches John 15:5 I am the vine ye are the branches He that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without ye without me ye can do nothing all fruit all fruit comes from the branches you know I think about my musk I have some muscadine vines and that Vine may be that big, but there's no fruit growing on that vine. It's the branches that grow off from that vine. And we come here, we're the branches. We're the ones that the pastor and Brother is talking about getting outside and bringing, and we're spreading that about so that we can have everyone to come in. We're the, we have to tap into the main part of that vine. <clears throat> in our text... God t- uh, talks about and compares us to the uh, the eagle, the man to the eagle. I want us to look at some of the characteristics there. And didn't nobody tell me what time I had to quit. And I hear different ones talk about I No, I didn't leave my phone. I, left my, I was going to leave my phone back there so I didn't have a timetable here. But anyway, we're going to get through it. Um, but... It talks about mounting up with wings as eagles. Eagles are found throughout North America, in Alaska and Canada. There's about 70,000 of them, bald eagles. They flourish in Alaska mainly because of the salmon content. When I was on uh, Kodiak Island, there was 33 pairs of bald eagles just on that island. And uh, immature bald, the eagles, they're... They're brown and white, and their um, beaks are black, and their eyes are brown. And it takes them five years to mature, to get that white head and the white tail. Their beak turns yellow, and their eyes turn a uh, pale yellow. <clears throat> but the bald eagle is three feet from beak to tail, has a wingspan of seven and a half feet. You think about it. It only weighs 14 to 15 pounds, but it has that great, tremendous wingspan so that it can carry that body. And it has to be strong because of all that it, how far it flies and the altitudes it goes to. It, uh, they took them off the endangered species list in 2007. However, they're still a protected bird. There was a game warden that told me that he got a man because he shot a uh, hawk, and they and he cleaned it. And said his mom was dying with cancer, and she wanted some fried chicken, and they didn't have any chickens. So he wrote him a ticket, took him to court. He told the judge, and the judge said, "Okay, due to the circumstances, I'm gonna let you go this time, but don't let it happen again." So he thanked the judge. He turned to walk out. And the judge said, "By the way, how did that hawk taste?" He said, "About like bald eagle," you know. <laughs> He got himself in trouble again, but anyway, they're still protected species. The eagle's noted for its great strength. I've seen eagles in Alaska fly down in rivers and lakes and grab a salmon that was twice the size of them. We were driving one time from the base to town, and there's a—I guess every place has dead man's curve, but this was literally dead man's curve. Uh, if you didn't make that turn, you were you were done for. And um, But we were going around that curve and out of the sky fell a salmon and hit our windshield. And I thought, more like Chicken Little. You know, the sky was falling, but it was fish was falling. And the first thing that my son said was, let's get it. He was thinking roadkill, even at a young age. It was fresh. But they're strong. They can uh, handle things like this. The eagle is... Is strong, and we as Christians need to be as strong in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, by ye, be ye steadfast, unmovable always, abounding in the work of the Lord. Amen. Joshua 1, 5 through 7 says, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee in all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses... So I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And as I was looking at this, I thought, here he is telling us, you know, that as he was with Moses, and Moses was kind of, as the old people from the old country said, he was kind of up against things. And he, the Lord let him know that he was with him. and and he's telling us that just as he was with Moses and these other prophets that he's able and he's still with us, and he will not fail us nor forsake us and that's the thing that um you know Hannah strives on and and that she was today telling us Sharon, as she was in there with the uh with a group of girls and all, and how they were. They didn't believe a lot of things and how she, it just impressed me so that I felt the presence of God, how she was just talking about, I'm not saying that she was preaching to them, but what she was taught and what she has learned and felt and found in the house of God that she has carried forth. I believe all of this is going to be a testimony for her and strengthen her. And as I've said to different ones, I believe that there's a calling of some sort that God has special on her life. Not because she's my child, but because she's a child of the King. And He'll do the same for all of us. Galatians 6, 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Our pastor covered all that. Number two, the eagle is noted for its far-sightedness. The eagle's eye is almost as large as the human eye. Its sharpness is four times that of a person with perfect vision. And the eagle can see a rabbit moving at almost a mile away. An eagle flying at an altitude of 1,000 feet over an open country can spot prey over an area almost three square miles from a fixed position. That's its eyesight. It's fixed. And we need to have our eyes fixed upon God. Acts 7:56 56, and, and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. This was Stephen. Stephen's eagle eye was upon God. He had a vision there. We have to have a vision. God's Word says, without a vision, we perish. We have to have a vision. It's been said that a Christian on his or her knees can see more than a philosopher on their tiptoes. You think about it. People on their knees make things happen. They move mountains. They open the heavens for things that they're not even aware of. God will reveal and show himself to his people that are praying and seeking him. The eagle rises above the world that's full of gases and toxics and smoke and dust and clouds. Bald eagles have over 7,000 feathers. I don't know who counted them. I guess it had to be somebody in Alaska because when I was there, they had weir counters. That's a, a weir is something they set up across the river to where the fish can't get through. They have to open a door to let the fish through and they've got somebody sitting there with a little clicker that's counting them fish as they go through. And when they reach a certain number, then they open up the rivers to fishing. So They get paid good money to sit on that river and count them fish as they go by, and no fisherman can fish within 500 feet of the weir. So they just walk up there to look at them like you were preaching about the fish this morning in the aquarium. You don't want to look at them. You want to just throw one lure out there. And they're so thick because they congregate there and they build up to go there and I told somebody one time that the fish are so thick in the river that you could literally walk across the river if they would hold you and not move and not get your feet wet. They're that thick. It's hard to imagine that and comprehend. But they fish up there with lures. that It's a a spoon-like. It's called a pixie. It has different colored plastic in the middle of the lure. It's got a treble hook on it. And you see these kids that if they're big enough to cast a rod, they're catching a fish. It might be in the tail, it might be in the fin, it might be behind the head. That's snagging them because they're that thick. But these, the, the eagle has 7,000 feathers and um, they can fly at an altitude of 10,000 feet. They can reach speeds of 30 to 35 miles per hour. In Colossians 3, 1 through 4, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. First Thessalonians 4, and 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and shall, so shall we ever be with the Lord. We have to walk on this earth, but we need to look at things above. We need to set our affections on things to come. We don't need to walk around and look and, oh me, oh that. We need to keep our eyes fixed and looking up. That's where our redemption comes from. He says he's going to be returning in the the clouds from the eastern, you know. And So if we're walking around looking, we're not looking for him. We talk a good talk. We talk a lot of things. And I'm talking to Doug tonight too. There's things going on in this world. There's storms that are happening. There's trials, and we're going to face them. But I can tell you that we're... Just as the eagle does, we can rise above the things. We can rise above the storms. When the eagle is old and it's getting ready to to die, it begins to set down on things. It begins to set back and let others do the work. You know, and um, they molt and they go through this thing to where their feathers draw What happens is that eagle sets that once flew around and they begin to get scales on their eyes, they don't see as good as they once did. Their beak's not sharp as it was because they don't hunt as much. Their talons aren't neither. But when the eagle begins to get ready to pass over on that, they shake themselves just like we have to do at times when the enemy comes in. The eagle begins to... Take its claws and scratch the scales from its eyes so it can see again. It begins to sharpen its beak on a rock. Take its talons and scratch. begins to pull the feathers to pluck them, to get them groomed and just so. It's just like a plane. If there's one rivet on that aircraft that's out, that plane doesn't do like it's supposed to do. It loses. It gets drag and stuff. The eagle's the same way. It's this... It's this uh, machine that is set to fly and soar and high above all the storms. But it, begi- it does all this and whenever it gets to that point, then it sails out and it begins to sail and it flies around. And when the storms come and the clouds gather and the lightning's going and the winds are blowing, it begins to sail and it goes up above the storms and the clouds to where the sun is and the calm is. And that's the way that we do. We press in and we break through so that we can get to that upper room, so that we can feel the presence of God, so that we can know we're in the presence of God. When we're on the holy of holy grounds and in his presence. The And as a plane, when it's uh, in turbulence and stuff, the pilot will come on and say, you know, we're having these, uh, the, I've been on a plane to where it was literally so rough, when they give you the, I'd get a Sprite in a in the little plastic cup, you couldn't hold it to drink it. It was that bad. And I've never been air sick, thank the Lord. I've never been seasick, thank the Lord. But that, I got sick, watching that, trying to keep it from spilling and all. But I'm telling you, the ride is so rough. People have been injured on those planes because of the turbulence. But once you get above, the the pilot would say, hold on, we're going to go above. We're rising another 10,000 feet or so. It's not going to be as windy and as rough there. They know themselves. They try to get you up to that place. The eagles noted for longevity. The Christian, we will live forever forever. One way or the other. Bald eagles live in the wild and they've lived longer. They live longer than 30 years in the wild. Their average lifespan is 15 to 20 years. I read once in uh, West Steventon, New York, an eagle lived at least 48 years. Once eagles are paired up, they're together for life. They remain together. If, if one dies, then the, other will, the survivor will accept a mate. But the longevity, they're there together. It's just like this that we've started out. We're in this for life. David said in Psalms 23, 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're going to live forever. And the choice is ours. Where, whatever it is, wherever we're going to uh End up is going to be up to us. I know a a lot of times you may have been going down the road and you've noticed a construction area. And the orange sign, that says, begin construction. A little further down the road, it'll say, end construction. And you notice those signs stay around a long time after the construction's over. And a man said one time, I wonder if we said, God's going to halt construction on us for a little while. How many of our friends would say, was there any construction going on? Is there construction happening there? there, Are we putting forth that that we say? I'd like for the worship team to come. I'm not going to draw things out. I don't believe that we have to pump up things or puff up things. But I believe that God is still trying to do the work that he started. Whether it's in us or whether we're a part of that or not, you know, we're going to answer one day, just like that song they were singing. When I come to church, I begin in the worship when when the worship team's here. I'm thankful that we have an anointed, led worship team that they sing the songs that God puts there on their hearts and leads them and that they sing with that anointing. But a lot of times I sing. I think about the words that are being said. You know, it's not just a song, but I think about the blood that will never lose its power. I think about we enter into the presence of God. We come into the church and we come in and sit down on the pew and we want three or four songs sung offering taken up, the preacher to preach 15 minutes, make me feel good, let's have an altar call, pray for two or three people, fellowship for an hour, and then go home. But I'm telling you, that's not going to get it. I think a lot of times that the world you know we think about the election i shared with brother jerry here a while back that when i was teaching one wednesday night back there i was looking at some of the notes that i'd taught before in alaska back in the early 90s and i was going to a baptist church then they didn't have any pentecostal on kodiak island at the time and that big old Baptist preacher brother Ray Boutwell was his name he was probably six six and about 325 pounds big man and he had a wife about this big but he would take we would come to church and he would say he would sit up here and he'd take a pen and he'd write down everybody's prayer requests they named names And he began to tell us, Church, write down those names so you remember them. Not just pray right now, but pray later. Pray when you get home. And I looked on the back of there, and somebody told me one time, history repeats itself every 40 years. It hadn't been 40 years, thank the Lord. But as I looked on there, it said, Pray for our election. And we're in that same boat. I thought it was bad then. But it doesn't matter who wins. I'm tired of all the, the mud slinging and the lying and the deceiving and all this other. I'm like these other men have said. It doesn't matter who wins. It's not going to make much difference until the Lord comes back. I don't know by what whoever wins may be the Antichrist setting up. I think that the return of God could be that close for His Son to come rapture us home. And I want to make sure that I'm not trying to preach Brother Jerry's message from this morning, but I do want to take all I can with me. All of my friends, my family, loved ones that that are not living like they should be. But I want to be the one to pray through for them you know I didn't know Hannah was going through what she was and she couldn't pray through but I'm glad that her mom saw that and I'm glad that we called upon the church for special prayer and you treated us like family one of your own you got serious I'm telling you if there hadn't have been a change where God stepped in I don't know where things would be right now I don't even want to think about how bad it could be and I know that God is with this church and people who come in and go we need to pray for them But yet we need to pray for these that are here because we don't know if this is the last opportunity. Someone may go home to be with the Lord tomorrow, tonight, before we leave here. But I want to make sure that I see each and every one of you again. I want to make sure that my brothers, my children, I have two brothers left and right now Unless God intervenes, they'll both die and go to hell. I know that. And I don't want that. And I don't want that for your loved ones, for your family, for this church. Because there's power in number. There's power in us. Those that come together, those that pray together and are of one mind and one accord. Then God's spirit flows I could have come in tonight and after they were finished singing, I could have went home and said, I've been in the presence of God. I felt good. I felt the presence of the Lord. But I think about the word and how much that we have to have that because we hear people preaching that it may be taken away from us one day. And I thank God for you Jonathan for standing up for the young people and your heart that's heavy for them that carries that burden because you planted something because the word Hannah had that even when she didn't have her Bible the Holy Spirit brought it to her remembrance she said it just come to me she was telling us a scripture today that Brother Jerry was using in his message this morning I'm telling you if God doesn't if that isn't confirmation I don't know what is And God works this way.